0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. You may have views on the announcement coming out of government today that the cabinet has approved new guidelines to encourage parents not to purchase smartphones for primary school children. We're joined now by the Minister for Education, Norma Foley. Good evening, to you, Minister. Good
1: evening, Matt.
0: Okay, why not? Guide- why guidelines? Why not just firm instructions that children cannot bring smartphones into primary school?
1: Well, to be fair, in the first instance, I do want to say, uh, Matt, that, you know, it. I think it's almost um, unanimous that they don't really bring them into the schools. It's not really the issue of what happens in the schools. They're not. There isn't a problem really with smartphones in the school. The problem is what happens after school. So our purpose here, given that we're education, is very much so focusing on, you know, providing the information, making sure that parents and guardians have the information, have the necessary skill sets, if you like, uh, to facilitate them and indeed empower them to make decisions around the use of smartphones. I think, you know, we're very conscious that, you know, young people, particularly at primary school age, they can be open to content by the smartphone, which can be sexual content, violent content, or online bullying, and they carry this content around in their pockets. And I think parents really would appreciate the support of other parents, so we're really asking parents' councils to, to become involved here. We've seen it very successfully rolled out um, you know, around the country, particularly in, in schools in, in Greystones, and want to acknowledge the great work that they have done there, but in other counties too, but particularly the roles that they've taken in... in um, in Greystones. It is voluntary, but I, I think parents are in, empowered when they feel that other parents are on the same page as them. So we're providing the information, we're providing the guidance, and so, for example, we have increased our funding to WebWise. So WebWise will now have a national coordinator to, to roll out and facilitate this information for parents. We will also have um, regional information centres via our education centres where you know parents and, and schools uh, uh, are free to attend this advice and this experience experience and expertise that will be provided by WebWise. But basically we're saying now is the opportune time if you have a child in primary school to seek the support and lean on the support of other parents and commit on a voluntary basis of course, but to commit to not to purchase the smartphones for children of primary school age. But if they are purchased, why not
0: put a rule in place to say that they cannot be brought to school?
1: But as I said to you, Matt, the the issue isn't school. Um, But it is an
0: issue, isn't it? I mean, if it is an issue, if children are looking to look at their uh, phones while in the classroom, or if that is clamped down upon by the teachers, they may be in the playgrounds with them. They're looking at them on the way to school, on the way home from school. If you have a ban on bringing them to school, that means they can only be used at home if they do have them to use at home.
1: But as i said to you, they are well supervised in schools. The vast majority of schools, they're not permitted to have them in the school. And there isn't, we, you know, there isn't an instance of, of the abuse taking place in schools or, or children seeing um, online content that isn't appropriate to them. What is an issue is, you know, this isn't really a problem for the schools, but it is a problem for the parents and guardians. And so what we're seeking to do here is primarily what happens after school? You know, I, I've made the point before, like we, we all know what children are doing when they're socializing with, you know, kids who are playing football with them or they're going swimming or whatever activity they're in. We, we know. Who they're engaging with. We do not know who they're engaging with or what they're engaging with or indeed what they're seeing on their smartphones. And by and large, this is after school time. So basically, we're acknowledging here, as always, that, you know, parents are very valuable partners in education. We in education are going to provide the information for them, the resources for them, and we're inviting parents now to be part of the collective here. There's great power in the collective. So to be part of the collective, making a decision to say, actually, my child at primary school does not require a smartphone. This isn't a, a, a van against all phones or anything like that. I mean, they you know, if parents wish, their their children to be contactable or that you know children feel that they need it as a resource themselves they can use another phone but not a smartphone.
0: Yeah why is it you think that parents give in and buy these phones for children as young as nine given that the children are not in a position to be able to afford to buy them themselves?
1: Well, again, I think, you know, uh, oftentimes parents and guardians come under considerable pressure, I suppose, when some children in a class actually have the phones and they feel that their child may well be excluded or whatever. And that's the beauty, if you like, of of classes coming together, of parents coming together, and all of them um, signing up to this commitment not to purchase the phone. So therefore, no child is excluded. Um, Every child is having the same experience with all parents committing to not purchasing the smartphone for them. As I said, you know, we've seen it work very well where all parents buy into this. We've seen great leadership from parents' councils. So what we're doing is we're providing to them, if you like, the template as to how to go about this in, in, the, in the schools. We've also seen where some schools within communities come together. So it isn't necessarily an individual school. A number of schools can come together. And as I say, all be on the, the, the one page. And we are providing for them the resources, the information, the material, the support to do that.
0: There are critics, particularly in the opposition benches, who are saying that this is a distraction from the real issues at the moment going on in the school system, such as the report released yesterday on behalf of the primary and special schools, which have showed a massive shortfall in the number of teachers available, that we have more than 800 vacant teaching posts across primary classes, for example.
1: I don't think this is a distraction at all. I think this is a very important body of work. I think within the department, we have to show a flexibility to to address the issues of the day. And the issue of smartphones, particularly for, for children at primary school age, it is an issue. It is a challenge for parents. And we in education are working to empower and support parents to address that. As regards to teacher supply, I, again, this is another issue in which we're particularly proactive. Um, I want to acknowledge and I do accept that there is an issue. Um, it's more of a pertinent issue in some areas than it is in others but I, I have made the point I suppose really before that you know, we are at near full employment in this country. Um, we do have supply issues not just in education, we have them in you know, other areas whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in hospitality but for example you, you reference figures there. We have more than 100,000 staff in education, 72,000 staff, uh, teaching staff in education. There will always be in any workplace, um, you know, I I suppose, uh, challenges or difficulties at any given time. And recognising that and recognising the pressure that there are on schools, we've introduced a number of measures as late as the last week or two in terms of the budget. We have now provided a bursary for for students who wish to um, uh, do a post-grad in teaching. So there's a bursary there. We have... um, provided payment for upskilling courses. We have increased the number of places on the teaching education courses, available more than 600 over two years. And it's interesting to note that teaching remains a very attractive profession insofar as last year in 2022, we saw a 9% increase for those who applied via the CEO for post-primary and another 14% increase this year. We've never had as high a registration with the teaching council as we do have currently at over 119,000. So there's significant... um, work being put in in terms of teacher supply we will remain proactive um, in this area I acknowledge there are challenges there and we will commit to doing um, as much as we possibly can to support uh, schools who, who are um, you know facing these difficulties last year we had three and a half thousand teachers who graduated and came into the system so um, sorry did they come into
0: the system or how many of them actually emigrated because as this report yesterday said as well as having the 800 vacant teaching posts that there's a projection of an an additional 1,200 long-term vacancies in the next three months. Schools can't get short-term substitute teachers and teachers are taking up posts abroad and aren't necessarily come ba- coming
1: back. Well, again, I, I would say to you, look, uh, you know, we have to look at things in the round. We have 72,000 uh, teaching staff in the system. 72,000. Um, know, but well, it's not enough, I, is it? And, well, it's a, it's a considerable number. We've 100,000 staff in education, 72,000 of which are a teaching staff. I will, as i said to you, I will absolutely concede that there are um, difficulties or challenges in some areas more than in others. We have remained proactive in this space. We have ensured that we've lifted restrictions on job share or career break. We've ensured where teachers at post-primary, if they wish to work additional hours, they will be paid for those additional hours. And we will continue to do more and more in this space. As I said, you know, even in Budget 24 there has been a huge focus, even in terms of pathway forwards. You know, unions have raised with us you know, posts of responsibility. There's more than a thousand new posts of responsibility will come in place. So we're, we're, we're not standing still in this space. We are being proactive. We're addressing it. And we will do more and more. But again, as I've said to you, the challenges we face are not unique to education. These are right across a variety of sectors. We're at near full employment. And I think it's it's considerable when you can say that we've never had such a high um, level of teachers registered with the teaching council. That in itself is a reflection of the number of teachers. They may be registered, but does that
0: mean that they necessarily stay in Ireland? Are they not using that as an opportunity to go overseas for better pay and better conditions?
1: Well, I again, I would have to concede. I think it's important that when they register in Ireland, very many of them, um, it is their intention, obviously, to stay in Ireland. But equally so, it is the intention of some of them to go abroad. That has always been the case. That is not something that, you know, is new to today or indeed yesterday. That that has always been the case. There will be teachers who will move abroad. But I think, as I've said, teacher rem- teaching remains attractive. Um, we have seen, okay. you know,
0: Well, sorry, you, you did say that, and I want to use the time we have to address one other issue. Uh, recently it was reported that there was quite a discussion, shall we say a cabinet in relation to ideas from the Minister for Integration, Roger Gorman, in relation to Ukrainian refugees and ninety days at state care before they ever have to move on elsewhere. It seems that your party leader, as astonished to Mihal Martin, is particularly concerned about the potential impact on Ukrainian children in the schools since you had that raw a cabinet. have you been able to establish a position? in relation to safeguarding the teaching of those children?
1: Well, in the first instance, I I do want to acknowledge we have more than 17,500 young people from Ukraine in our education system. They are fully integrated. They're being well-mentored and minded and guided. And all of the work has been done by schools on the ground. And that's the first thing. They're being resourced by the department, but there's incredible work being done on the ground. And we've seen it work very well. And what has happened in education is a reflection of what's happened in wider communities. We've seen a warm embrace from wider communities, but we are at a point now um, where we recognise that you know capacity is becoming a challenge for us. So there is a need for for cabinet um, and government to look at you know the wider implica- implications going forward. What is it we can do? What's in the best interests of everyone going forward? So we are currently looking at that, and that will no doubt come before cabinet in. Yeah, but what do you think? Interim.
0: Because you know, if we say that it's not good for. Children to be brought up in hotels, for example, to be spending more than three months in a hotel room and that they may need to move somewhere else. But at the same time, it's not good necessarily is it for a child who is just being integrated into a school to be told after three months, well you have to go somewhere else and maybe somewhere else again after that. Is it not incumbent on us if we are bringing refugees in from Ukraine or from other places to look after them and to look after them, not just by providing security of housing, but security of education.
1: Well, again, and I will say to you, I think we have not been found wanting in terms of what we're doing in education. 17,500 students uh, is quite a considerable number. And indeed, we're not talking about removing any of those students. We are talking about a policy that will be implemented for those who are coming in, into the future. In terms of education, we've always, you know, and I'm not going to preempt what's going to come to cabinet because that wouldn't be right. And different departments are doing a different body of work here. But in terms of education, our policy has never changed. We've, we've always been of a view that integration. Serve students best, and particularly, you know, students and young people who are going to be with us in the medium to long term. We have, you know, we've always been very clear that, you know, um, integration into education um, it is the, the, the proper place. Yeah, for but them. not There's moving
0: them around. Even if we're talking about those who come in the future, it's three months in one school, three months in another school, maybe moving somewhere else. That's not going to help them, is it?
1: Well, as I've said too, you, know, our policy is a clear one. Um, I, I don't have any view that we would change that policy right. we believe in integration um, but obviously um, government is taking a wider look at every aspect um, going okay, forward OK well we we'll await not, developments with great yeah, interest now, I in think that. it's important to say it's not because Irish people don't want to be part of the solution here I think Irish people with great pride have very much so been proactive and been part of the of the solution here but there comes an issue around capacity so we want to do the right thing at the right time for the maximum number of people that we can that we can care for
0: Minister for Education Norma Foley Thank you.
1: The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30.